Hey y'all, Illidan here with a quick message. We realized episodes 1 through 12 had some rough audio and tech issues, and I tried to edit it all out, but it didn't quite meet our standards. So what we're going to do is we're going to be re-recording some of the topics in later episodes that inevitably will have more ideas and different content still pertinent to the original topic. So as you listen to these older episodes, we humbly ask for your patience as we press on and strive to bring you better content each week. If you'd like to continue hearing uh, the original episode, keep listening. If not, look for the topic name in our episode list in our new episodes where we've learned to fix some of those issues. We hope you enjoy. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, theys and thems, goblins and paladins all. This is the seventh episode where we, the Story Weavers, help you as players and dungeon masters, new, old, and aspiring, with questions and ideas for your next tabletop role-playing game. Welcome to This Dungeon is Occupied podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Illidan, and as always, I'm here with Thorne and Robbie. Hello. Hola. Como estas? Muy bien. Uh, the topic of the day is how to be a story weaver, the too long didn't read version. Uh, and the reason for that is because we could continue and talk for hours on end on how to be a story weaver, but we're going to break it up a little differently and future episodes, we're going to have uh, world building stuff and how to create worlds and towns and all sorts of things like that. So today it's just a too long didn't read version of story weavers so the first thing thorn since you are the elder um what would really? be your <laughs> yes really <laughs> what would be your first uh ancient i mean wiz, wise uh advice <laughs> oh Bonus i can't content. help it but hate you a little bit right now just a little bit love you love you <laughs> um okay for 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 new story weavers new dms gems whatever you want to call yourself uh the hardest part of of starting when you first start is coming up with original ideas uh, you don't have to be original uh you can use the modules you can use any of that stuff in fact for the very first time i kind of recommend you use a module because it gives you the cadence and the order and it kind of helps you a lot but don't be afraid to change it um that's what i learned when i first started doing it like 25 years ago and that's going to date me a little bit but it's it's true um shut up and uh the modules are there to help you now when you if, if you're starting when you're younger the modules are a big help and even when you're you know getting into your adult hood and and, and want to try to think of something original that's when it gets difficult that's when you have to sit down and think yeah and if you played modules before that it helps you realize everything you need to do now i'm going to be I a mean, devil's advocate <laughs> um, okay. so the uh, the modules um i usually recommend if if somebody wants to to dm or story weave I say read a module, write your own. Um, and that's the, that's basically the same difference, though. Yes, as but long not, as you uh, use a module as a guideline. True. Uh, I just don't say. I say usually not to play the module with a group. Uh, your first time ever DMing, because the thing about 
DMing or story weaving, whatever you want to call it, um, especially with my group of wonderful friends, um, they attempt naturally to break the game. And if you're trying to follow this module to the letter, it's going to kill you inside. Guaranteed. Oh, you could, you could <laughs> never follow anything to the letter. Yeah. That's, that's, that's your number one thing that you have to take into you when you yeah. realize you want to be a story weaver is you have to be flexible. Exactly. And you cannot get hurt when nobody follows the way you want it to go. <laughs> That's and it, it can always be a, a, a different quest line. If you like put this plot hook and they're like, oh, that's cool. I go over here and they just completely ignore it. Don't just rip up that paper and throw it away. Leave it. Leave the plot hook. And sometimes what I've done in my campaigns is punish them because I've left a, a plot hook where, hey, there's a horde of orcs uh, headed northeast to uh, such and such a town. And they said, okay, well, we've got things. We, we're, we're a little busy. They have some guard there. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and do my traveling. And they came back, and the town was burnt to a crisp. So there's different things that you can play on. Okay. Exactly. To my defense, to my defense, <laughs> we were really busy. Oh, man. <laughs> um, and that's, but that's one of the, that's one of the, the big points about it, about any kind of uh, story building is especially with when you're being a story weaver for like a role-playing game the, the big word is adaptability you have to be able yeah. to um you could write you could write the story down as much as you want but it's not taking into consideration that because it's not it's not just you telling the story um you're guiding the story but everybody else is adding plot points to it so you have to be able to be like, okay, I kind of want them to go here. That's why I do bulletin points for my stories. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I do write out, um, like, things that I want to, that I know are going to be important to the story, and I'll read it out during the, the game. But when it comes to, like, plot points, um, for example, like, my game, my last game, um, Everybody decided, I was like, oh, hey, there's this giant concert hall y'all have to go to. And everyone decided to go into the forest. You know, <laughs> like, it's just, you have to roll with it. <laughs> Even though you told them not to go in the forest. Um, but then you, you have to have that adaptability. And that comes with experience. Like, after a while, you, you kind of learn what, um, what you can do when that kind of um, bolts is thrown into your into your story, like I'll throw creatures at them, or if you warn them not to go into the forest, just throw a, a, a deconstructed man at them. You know, like that works. Again, to my defense, I didn't ask everybody to follow me. I'm a druid. Of course, I'm going to the forest. You can't split the party. I mean, you, you can. can. Don't lie. You can absolutely split the party. You can split the party. But Everybody followed me. How is that my fault? <laughs> I am the crazy one in the group. Everybody knows I'm crazy. I have an imaginary friend. Everybody was making sure you're okay. And it's fine. And they still followed me. But you see, I used... The, the cool part about that is I used that moment to progress the story. So, like, you should take any kind of, um, any kind of railroad, like, not railroad, any kind of um, 
like a turn from your original plan as a opportunity. So, mm -hmm. for example, in that situation, I introduced uh, concepts and ideas and like story points about what's to come, and the players ate it up. And it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to be a situation where you're just like oh no, my story went off the rails. It could be a situation where your story progresses in a different way than you were expecting. Right. And that, that brings us to a point that we should probably discuss is the difference in storytelling. Um, is There's two commonly accepted ways of, of DMing, and one is typically faux pas, and the other is the way that most people uh, advise you to DM or story weave, and that's... Um, railroading and sandboxing so uh railroading obviously it's just you're on you're on track no matter what happens you are pushing your players to this thing and then there's the other that the sandbox where they can roam free and that's obviously the one that that everyone tries to to emulate as much as possible because yes of course have a overarching theme an idea or a goal for the party but let them go about i mean the three of us we've had sessions where we're like yeah we're gonna go here but let's do like seven other things first we had a, a, an entire session multiple sessions where the party was just doing side quests and funzy stuff and then we got yeah. to other things but i mean that that speaks to how well you know your how well you know your players. So like, it depends on how, how once you get a read off of how everyone plays at the table, some people do enjoy that railroading aspect. Like they enjoy True. being kept on the, the path and knowing like a linear story that's gonna happen. Um, some people don't enjoy the side quests or the, the, the side hustles that happen during games. And then some people really enjoy the spontaneity of a sandbox game. Personally, I enjoy the sandbox game, but you know, some people are different. Oh, I like the side hustles. I I can put out like I created a compound yeah. in Illidan's world. I mean, I bought a town. <laughs> the the sandbox is, town is a lot. You're working on it. Well, I, <laughs> I basically own it, <laughs> but it's it's just it's so much fun, more fun that way. But even like when I'm doing World of Darkness, like the dream sequence one. Mm -hmm. I had to railroad it a little bit because I wanted to get through it all in one night. Right. And you were in a very restricted area. You wouldn't have been able to go beyond it. Right. And then... Because it was a specific sequence. Right. And to that point, I usually like to say that there's three types, right? Because there's the two widely accepted, but... The, the third way that I call it, because uh, Robbie was saying, you know, some people like to be railroaded. I think instead of people who like to be railroaded, even if they like to follow the the main storyline, you know, the, the main quest line and you don't Skyrim everywhere, um, I call it funneling. You know, so there's still the, the main idea. There's like little tidbits here and there where maybe a character asks about something completely off the wall but you guys are still going towards that end goal. Um, and that can be something like in a sandbox game, uh, like the, the game that Thorne's talking about, they had this overarching deadline for 
the God War. It was happening on this day of this year. Do what you need to do to get ready. And so there were times where they really had to go talk to the the Elven King to, to see if he was going to provide uh, forces and then travel time between the Elven Kingdom to the Dwarven Kingdom and talk to uh, the, the king there who happened to be a god uh, in disguise anyway. So just fun little little things in between but still going to that that final goal does that make sense yeah and it does i mean that's that's what any any good story also i mean it's it's the the final goal is what like the when you're breaking down a story the final goal is what drives the players to go through your world and I mean, I, I personally enjoy the twists and turns that people like to take like randomly off the thing. And I mean, it's you, your story isn't set in stone. You can always right. adjust it. You can always be like, oh, they're going left instead of right. Well, left is the right path anyway. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's just a, it's good. It's good storytelling practice to be able to adjust based on what some based oh. on information you receive. One of my favorite things to do as a story weaver is to actually, like, in my campaign in World of Darkness right now, I, I put them in an area they know their goal. They have to stop something. They might not know who, they know what, it's the whole Cthulhu thing. Mm-hmm. But I just put it in there and let you go. And I have a, a, a time, this many sessions to reach this goal. You know, if you, do, if you, if you beat it, you go here to this next part. If you don't, you go here to this next part. Right. And it varies. And I just like to see what everybody's going to do. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've even had, there, there was a, a part in, in a, a, a previous session where there were um, another pack of werewolves that was basically uh, infected with elder <clears throat> at magic and were kind of just crazy and killing things. And I was expecting a huge battle out of it. And everybody talked their way out of it. I mean, it not a person in the party got hurt, touched nothing. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was a truly great thing to see. In fact, you had to like on the fly, you just, you made a small battle between that current alpha and the uh, one of the female werewolf because of something oh, yeah. that, uh, that Forrest did. <laughs> yep, exactly. It just, I had to, because you have to be able to adapt. Yeah. If if your players do something, I mean, it's a scale. They can do something truly stupid, which just happened. Mm-hmm. Robbie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hold on. I, I make the <laughs> argument that my uh, that my actions have been less of a detriment and more of like I entertainment mean, for all <laughs> entertainment for all but i've done some pretty awesome stuff i pull a sword yeah. everywhere I mean, what yeah you did really good there that was that was definitely adapting because i did not expect that to come up yet but <laughs> and then you, you get some players to do something just crazy good mm-hmm. and it's like Okay, I gotta, I gotta adapt, but I also have to reward them because this is really good. Yeah, and and for me, it, it can't just be like, oh wow, that was great role play. Here's some uh, inspiration. Well, whoop dee! Like that's, 
like that's cool i got inspiration but it's a one-time thing you know one-time use and it's kind of limited like give give something more to that like robbie and thorn were saying like do a small story behind that some kind of reward uh, other than experience points and inspiration um and the other thing that i wanted to touch on is something that thorn brought up in the bonus content um shameless plug um if if something happens where the the player does something completely off the wall you as a dm a story weaver a storyteller a game master you cannot take it personally um there are a plethora of stories on rpg horror stories uh in reddit about dms that they you know they give a, a scenario and a player does something or kills a merchant and that merchant was supposed to be the quest giver and all of a sudden you've the the person in this horror story that i'm thinking about they resurrected the npc later on because they didn't want to re rewrite an npc the i mean you know as as callous as it might seem npcs are pretty much cannon fodder like you you can still use the same story just do a different town a different merchant don't railroad so hard that it seems like a personal attack exactly yeah and raven god bless her her first story weaving session period she wanted to do vampire mm -hmm. now um, vampire is a very hard game to, to, to story to be a storyteller in. Uh, it tends to be much more political. It's a lot more mental, but, and it's very difficult. And so she wanted to bring this world. She has it going a certain way. It all starts to happen. And my character walks out the door and she's like, Hey, you see these guys over here. They look suspicious. Da, 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 da. And then you see, you know, the street and I go, I'm going to go to the street. And she's like, but they look suspicious. And I'm like, okay. My character doesn't care. Yeah. And I just threw a wrench into her, just completely railroaded her. Just she just it was I could just see the the pain in her eyes when I was like, okay, never mind. <laughs> yeah. But what she did with that though is she knew that was a weak spot for her. She started doing a, a, a D and D. Mm -hmm. And it's basically just to see, she wants us to react crazy. She wants to get better at adapting. Yeah. And she's done amazing with it. Yeah, she has. Yeah. She really has. I mean, I'm fully impressed and completely enjoying the campaign. Yeah. And, 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 and so, like you said, to her credit, like she, she even broke her own game because we, we leveled up right after, uh, the first session but we didn't just level up no we leveled up three whole levels we started at level three session two we were level six and on top of that our characters got two magic items from um a a, a redditor uh griffin saddlebag she told us amazing amazing guy he's amazing um and he's amazing. she just told us hey go to griffin uh griffin uh saddlebag uh, subreddit and find two items for each of you and we said well okay well like what 
what level, what rarity. And she said, no, just find two magic items. So Thorne and I were like, so like legendary items too? And she was like, yeah, whatever. Just find two items. Let me know what they are and I'll make the story around it. I was like, oh, we're going to break the game. (laughs) (laughs) So, but that's exactly, yeah, but that's exactly what she wanted is because we're, we're trying to throw as many wrenches as possible so that she can get better at improv and and doing stories on the fly instead of writing a binder worth of story and then having to turn five pages (laughs) because of one of our knuckleheaded ideas (laughs) exactly i mean that's the thing is you can't take it personally and she didn't take it personal no and uh she realizes that 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 was one of her weaknesses and she's striving to be better at it Mm -hmm. and it's it's actually amazing to watch because she's doing so good at it. Yeah. And and you that's that's a very important uh, point to make. Like you once you've written the story and uh, put it out there, it's no longer your story. Like you've started you've you've started the thread, and now you have to let everybody kind of add to it. Um, the the whole point of role playing games is for us to build the story together. So to be offended that your story isn't going the way the way that it's supposed to, well, that sucks because it's not just your story anymore. It's everybody else's. Everybody else is playing a part in it. And then you need to be able to, like I said, adapt and also um, just learn to cut the umbilical cord off your baby and then toss it into the flames. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. And that's, that's why uh, we've kind of adopted the story weaver because, you know, the you know dungeons and dragons uses dungeon master and i think pathfinder uses game master and uh, world of darkness uses storyteller but realistically we're all just story weavers because like robbie said you know let's say there's five other people at the table those five other people are telling their story they have their character they have the character backstory and then they're going through your world or module whatever you're using and they're they're interacting that you can't just have like if it if it was something like oh hey i wrote this this story we're gonna play this uh but you have to follow the character's dialogue that's that's literally storytelling that, that's just reading a book <laughs> and exactly. and do the the whole idea of role-playing game is to have fun first and foremost and everybody approaches role-playing well most mostly everybody approaches role-playing games as a as an avenue for like escapism into a fantasy world and to um, rob them of that control of their of their character and the control of their aspect of the fantasy world isn't fair to them right so on that note you have to be able to allow everyone to have fun as well like yeah story and that's not saying that you can't have some guidelines uh we uh forest is is one that i like to uh to point out that he is a, a DM that usually does uh, one-shots, um, but he's recently made a, a string of one-shots turn into a campaign. And one of the things that he just doesn't like is too much homebrew, uh, as in like somebody else's homebrew item or homebrew uh, character or, or race and putting it into the game. He likes, you know, he likes the... Uh, the player's handbook, Unearthed Arcana, and there's nothing wrong with that. You could just say, hey, my, this world, there's only a certain amount of races. I don't want to deal with it. Um, but you can play, and that's still giving them like 
80 different races and characters to to work with to to be uh to variate you know what i mean like it's if you're doing the player's handbook unearthed arcana and uh now tasha's handbook there's all kinds of different combos and variations you can do without having to say oh well my dm doesn't like homebrew this sucks <laughs> and to forest credit he is getting better oh yeah uh, especially from the one shot to the campaign he's running now which i am also in i mean it's leaps and bounds yeah and i and I, I about broke him friday i mean it was it was pretty hilarious <laughs> i wish i was there <laughs> but, i missed it <laughs> <laughs> but uh i'll tell you about him bonus content yeah uh but he uh he's gotten so much better in his creativity though he's borrowing from from real places which i'd like we say still everything mm-hmm. he's gotten a lot more comfortable with the adaptability of it all right and yeah, I, and you know, like I said, there's there's nothing wrong with setting a few, a few boundaries. You know, uh, we talked about uh, in the being human um, episode that boundaries are great. They're in fact they're necessary. Um, and if there's something that you're not willing to or ready to deal with or just you know can't, let the whole table know ahead of time. And especially as a a DM or a story weaver, that's something that you have to put forth. Like, hey. These things are not in my game, but here are a thousand other things that you could do. And it's, there's should be no harm, no harm done. If you, if you do it correctly and politely. Yeah. You set the rules up early. You set the boundaries. I mean, it's whatever you want. You're, right. you're, it's like, we like to say, if you're the story weaver, you are God in this world. This is your world. Exactly. So if you say no, that's no. And, and if, if you and, decide to change a rule, as long as you let them know ahead of time, like you said, Thorn, it like like any kind of mechanic. If you change a mechanic, you've got to let them know ahead of time, like, hey, this is how it's gonna run, not like um, a, a RPG horror story esque situation of, hey, I didn't like that you crit on uh, on this creature that it was supposed to be the big bad evil guy, so I'm gonna say that that doesn't work in my world. I'm doing it right now. I didn't tell you before, but I'm doing it right now. <laughs> yeah, that, that kind of makes you just a douche. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as, as creating your own campaigns, one thing I personally like to do is, I mean, I, I'm what I, I refer to as a, as a torture story over. I'd like to torture <laughs> my characters Nuh-uh. a lot. Relatable. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fun for me. I like to see how people react to this to these wrenches I just throw at all their plans. Mm-hmm. And the majority of them I think of beforehand, but I, I'm horrible at writing crap down, so I don't write nothing down. I fly off the hip. <laughs> but you you can't be like that all the time. Yeah. You have to give some too. You have to have little shiny spots of brightness in this world of crap. No, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't tell me what to do. I'm God in my world. I don't have to. I don't have to, any happiness in my world. Uh, just misery, mis- brains in jars, and bats coming out of people's faces. Yeah. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. There are. There's a lot of people that enjoy that kind of thing. I mean, there's we, the three of us, love watching horror movies for that reason. Yeah. Um, but that is true. <laughs> so the the thing is is you just like we've said a couple of times in this episode is knowing 
your friends or knowing your party. If there's one person that doesn't like gore, you can't have gore in that that's that uh, that game because that's going to put that person off and it's going to affect the rest of the game. Um, but yeah, if everyone goes, exactly. then hey, go to town with it. Um, and yep. you know, I've got uh, Raven. Um, she uh, she didn't like uh, how heavy uh, Arc One was getting uh, in my campaign, and so she did step out for a while. She had some stuff going on uh, with work and whatnot, and she was getting stressed anyway. Um, so it was basically the time for her to step out so that she could just deal with work and and sleep and whatnot. But um, we created a one-on-one campaign that was just sunshine and rainbows, happy-go-lucky. There's nothing bad happening yet. Hint, hint, Raven, if you're listening. Which, um, <laughs> which, hurts, which just hurts my soul. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all that whimsy, all that corruptible whimsy. Yeah. So, you know, I created this really nice world that's going to get flipped upside down and fucked over here pretty soon. But it's it's something that... <laughs> It's something that it's it's nice for her, and then she's gonna obviously she's gonna since the one on one she's gonna have to be the hero of this world, and so there's a lot more happy things and good things gonna come out of this. But as we've said before in multiple episodes, drama makes a good story. Exactly. Exactly. And um, and the thing is, when you're beginning the campaign, you have to figure out what kind of story you're gonna tell. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and that's. Uh, I know we talk a lot about World of Darkness and uh, Dungeons and Dragons on this podcast. I mean, because, you know, the dungeon's occupied. Um, but there's, there's so many different uh, role-playing uh, game formats out there that are that just also know, knowing how to tailor your story to what role-playing games are doing. So if somebody wants to do, like, a happy-go-lucky one, there's a lot of slice-of-life role-playing games that have mm-hmm. their own system. Like, um... You don't have to do Dungeons and Dragons and World of Darkness um, for your game if you don't want to. You can pick something that has a more relaxed, more comforting system than you know the stress that comes from rolling all of my dice. Mm-hmm. Like dread. Like dread. <laughs> that to me, it's comforting. <laughs> like, no, you know, yeah. To be honest, I mean, I've played a lot of different role playing games. Uh, there I played futuristic like Shadowrun. Um, I played Marvel. There was only one edition of Marvel, <laughs> and it's hard to get now. Uh, I played DC. I played all sorts of different role playing games. Um, I tended to come back to Dungeons and Dragons just because that was the first role playing game I ever played. Mm-hmm. And uh, World of Darkness is just I like that. I like the drama of horror, yeah. and that's what that is. That's a horror game. So, right. Yeah, and I mean, there's a like I I've um I I consistently come back to Dungeons and Dragons because it's uh easily adaptable. Um, you can tell a lot of different stories with it with the system that's available. But I've also played Fate, and if you wanted to tell a different kind of story, you could try Fate. There's I know that they've released um like Witch Plus Craft, which uses a similar system to Dungeons and Dragons, but offers a like home home decor like fantasy type of uh game to it like you you roll the craft things and you um 
and it's supposed to be whimsical, kind of like a Studio Ghibli meets Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. And but there's a lot of systems like that. Like for example, um, uh, um, Nadi, she's running a game about uh, about cooks, isn't she? Yes, uh, cooks yeah. and, and and bartending. And if you guys want to listen to that episode, that is episode three. What a good episode! Yes, and it, it's it's named you know uh, brainstorming with Naughty. So if you guys want to hear more about that, but you know, and I'm gonna get a little bit of hate from a lot of people, uh, but realistically, like we're yes, we're talking more geared towards Dungeons and Dragons, but in my mind, we're talking tabletop role playing game. You can pretty much do whatever story you want with any mechanic because there's like there's a lot of times where our sessions even in a dungeons and dragons session we may roll the dice three times and it's just all rp it's just all role play we're we're talking we're having a great time in character and then i might have you guys roll a charisma saving throw or a charisma check or something um just to keep some of the mechanics and see what happens to the npcs but you could take that same story and put it with world of darkness mechanics and roll just d10s and just have a success or failure or you could do away with all mechanics and say okay uh flip your coin for your charisma check and heads you make it and tails you don't like that's it's all about it's a role-playing game like that's all there to me that's all that that is is it's just it's a story with some kind of mechanic involved to move things along and, I'm, and it's like what I did with that dream sequence in World of Darkness. I used dread mechanics on it. Yeah, which was fantastic. I used it. It's a Jenga tower. <laughs> <laughs> um, I uh, to to play off what Elodie just said. Um, I uh, I I I think that that's you're correct. You can use whatever mechanic that you. I'm going to play a little bit double advocate, but um, you can play you can play whatever uh, whatever world the the mechanic. That you choose but i mean it's definitely part of the process of coming up with your story that you use the mechanic that best suits what what world that you're right sure. i mean so like for example um one of my one of my players really enjoys guns really wants to have a gun in my game <laughs> and um i mean dungeon and dragons doesn't offer a a very suitable mechanic to that um and but another game might like another role-playing game might like a futuristic game that has gun mechanics you know um that has a specific system set up for how guns are shot how you come up with the stats for that and how that kind of how that plays into the rest of the world the game kind of balance it balances that you know right or third devil's advocate i guess is if you are running something like D D, um and there isn't a mechanic for for a certain thing you can also make a mechanic based off of just like how you would make a a stat block you could base a a new mechanic or a new stat block off of something else and just tweak it a little bit to make it make sense and as long as you do it somewhat properly it's not gonna break your game even though i don't think that breaking games are actually a thing um but yeah you can you can make an a mechanic for it exactly because there's, there's a plethora of mechanics already in most of these games because much to their credit they have teams and teams of people that work on this to make sure that it's balanced <laughs> definitely or you could reskin i mean especially with yeah. guns i tend to 
if someone if we're playing in a futuristic setting with the Dungeons and Dragons system, I usually will reskin uh, bows and arrows with, with guns just to right. simplify the mechanics, and that way it's still balanced out the world. And I mean, honestly, like in a futuristic setting, if guns exist, why do you have bows and arrows? I mean, to, like they're you know, quieter. Uh, they are are quieter. You're correct, but <laughs> I I still switch them out. <laughs> I, I mean, I get that, and, and I we're, we, we're kind of going to go on to a, a tangent, but, like, reskinning is, is absolutely fine, um, but if you have two players that one wants to play a gunslinger and one wants to play a ranger that has a bow and arrow, there's nothing that says you can't have both in there, even though Thorne and I are of the old set mentality that guns just don't belong in in our campaign <laughs> like never never ever <laughs> i don't do them but uh, yeah guns don't i mean i just <laughs> i i uh, it's just it's really i don't i don't ever know how to like politely say that sometimes i'm like oh, i don't feel like a gun belongs in my game i just don't want one in my game sorry you don't get one <laughs> well, it, and that, it, it comes in the beginning when you set up those rules. Yeah, exactly. That, it has that, to be at the beginning. For me, it, with D and D, is a hard rule. Yeah, I don't do guns. Now I'm a little more flexible, um, because like, for instance, Forrest is is one of those types that likes to do artificers and stuff, and he had this. Um, it was actually called an industrialist, um, which was a homebrew. Um, subclass of artificer I guess um, and he had the mechanics all set up for different types of clockwork stuff different uh, he had a tank in the PDF and I was like you're not getting a tank um, but he had <laughs> he had other things in there that I could work with and so I still let him play it and I, I let him you know work around my rule of no guns um, and eventually because of the uh, the roles that he did and the gusto that he really wants to uh, put some of this stuff in. And I, I'm okay with at least seeing some of it to fruition. Um, he set up a mock cell tower, essentially. It was like a bunch of specialized sending stones that were able to like Morris code from one place to another Um over short distances, I, you know, I, I gave it the same range as a sending stone, but it was like, okay, this sending stone goes to this one and this one goes to the next one. And it was a big old network uh, and it helped communicate things for the war uh, that they were doing. Uh, and then the other thing that happened was he traded um, a power source, this, um, this Atlantean-esque um, power source for his uh, items. He gave it to a dwarven smith and when it came down to uh, the war, a lot of the dwarves, they, they replicated this power source to make essentially Viking lightsabers. It was just that they, they used the power source to melt the tip of, of the blade, and I just kind of reskinned it. But it was this technologically advanced thing that happened. Um, and that's all about being flexible as well. But obviously, like Thorne said, you know, He's got a hard rule. I mine's more of a soft rule, if we can do it right. Well, and it, it did. It was it worked. It was done well. Uh, he wanted to go maybe a little beyond in some parts, and you did rein him in. Yeah. Uh, but it's 
it's just I'm too set in my ways, I guess, against that. But <laughs> I got to admit, it made for a very good game. It was very fun to do. And it was so fun to to see uh, Forrest's eyes because he didn't realize that technically the dwarves getting this lightsaber-esque technology was absolutely a consequence of his actions. It was not a reward. <laughs> they oh, yeah. laid waste to the town right below their mountain. Granted, it was an orc town, and in my campaign, the orcs were... Um, uh, they they got turned. They used to be nice, but um, Grumsh, uh, the orc god, turned uh, all of his orcs evil. And so, uh, of course, the dwarves had to take care of this mess, but they made more of a mess because they just laid waste to the entire town and melted the whole thing. Um, and so when he, when he realized what he had done, he had this like, Oh shit face. That was just candy to me. <laughs> and that's the thing about being a story weaver when you, when you can do stuff like that, because you can let your players do whatever they want, but certain things going to have to have consequences. Right. And if and you ever you get told, to... oh, fuck you, that's, uh, that is the ultimate compliment. That is it right there. <laughs> <laughs> the look yeah. of death, like, I've, I've had players look like they want to kill me physically, like, in life. Yeah. And I'm like, my job is done. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> You're like, we can end right here. That's yep. the end of the night. <laughs> yeah. Like, my game, my game last this Monday, like. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that's that was the face that people gave me. <laughs> I didn't make a face. I just said, "Oh fuck you." Yeah, that's that's <laughs> it right there. But I've had I've had reveals that have just fallen flat, and then I've had reveals that just people just stood up and walked out the room. Yeah, and that's that's so, one thing about about reveals is you know like we've already said before, don't take things to heart if you. You know, like I'm a writer and, you know, obviously Thorne's not and he's read some of my backstories and things. And I have, you know, for arc one, I have four binders worth of story. I just kept writing. I had, excuse me, side stories that uh, uh, that never came to fruition and some side stories that I stole from other things. I, I stole a one shot um, that uh, we went to this mystical island uh but they literally you know the party went through two places one that i created one that the creator of this module uh created and then the rest of the island just i i don't know get fucked i guess <laughs> we just never went back to it um and you know the story just moves on but you can't you can't take that personally like there's uh if you do this big reveal um and you think that it's going to be super dramatic you're the npc that the party has loved forever suddenly becomes evil and all of them were like meh i kind of thought about it, it i figured it was going to happen like i mean it's still the storyline it's still they're still going to roll with it it's just not that it was as dramatic of a reaction as you were hoping but that's not a testament to your storytelling abilities sometimes people just don't have big reactions i mean i've gone uh, i've been told a lot of times that i don't react very well uh to movies you know i can go to an amazing movie and just come out and go yeah it was good and that was it and they're like well i mean did it got awards it was amazing and yeah i mean 
it was cool. I mean, 3D was nice, and that's it. So just <laughs> just don't take it personally. And then when you when you do get that big reaction, cherish that moment. That's yours. <laughs> Pure candy. Love it. <laughs> Makes and, you want to smoke a cigar. <laughs> it really does. And like do the 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 Dr. Evil laugh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's I love just putting players in situations and seeing how what's gonna happen. Yeah. And if, as far as setting up campaigns, I mean, you have to the best the one of the best uh, the, the best advice I can give you is the first thing you think of like me the first thing I think of is what's the end game? Mm-hmm. What's what's the the ultimate what's the ultimate end of this game of this this arc? You have to find an end. Right, because if they're not working for something, what's the point? So when I do it, I think about the end game first, and then I fill in everything else. Right, and me, I, I figure, you know, it depends on how long you want to make each arc. So if you have a big bite, a big bad guy out there Mm -hmm. you have to figure out how they're going to get to that big bad guy or how they're even going to figure out who the big bad guy is right so i mean it's just it's a multi-step process and it can take a while with me it takes a long time Mm -hmm. because i think about things and, and stew on them and think about them and ask people about it and and just work it through my head for a while yeah and i mean and I'm telling you, uh, these two guys right here, Illidine and Robbie, both are some of the best story readers I've ever played with. And they they have these these endings that are so dramatic <laughs> and amazing. And it take in in the our last arc with with uh, Illidine took forever. Oh God! But it, <laughs> and I'm telling you, we played through the pandemic almost every day. <laughs> almost yeah because i mean to to tell you guys like uh, because of of pandemic um i had actually lost my job and i was working towards getting a, a job but then the job that i got was nights uh and so we were playing like four days a week on zoom just ridiculous i mean we're talking four or five hours of sessions just going at it um, and it's we so bored otherwise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it still took a year and a half to get through the arc. Um, I was only there for half of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know. It, it, it's a thing, um, you know, to, to have the, the end, the end goal. Um, I will play devil's advocate, even though that is how I did it. I, I went in for arc one, at least I, uh, I had this God War idea that I wanted to have epically written out and dramatized. And it got, you know, I, I used props uh, to make it more dramatic for um, the party. And I'll get to that in a second. But the devil's advocate part of it is 
if you don't have an end goal, there's nothing saying you can't start a game and let the players tell you what the end goal is. Because you could just have a setting and say, okay, well, what do you do? You're in this town. What's the thing that you do? And, you know, if it's an older player like me, I, I go to a tavern and I say, hey, what's going on? What's the news of the town? The, te- the barkeep is always the guy. He's, the, he's in the know. Or you have a town crier or something that push, pushes out information every once in a while. Um, and that's how you plot hook your, your players. But your players have to say, yeah, we want to take care of that. And I'd have been screwed if my players decided, I don't really want to do the uh, God War thing. I want to do my own thing. <laughs> and I've just been like, well, I mean, okay. Um, well, I mean, it's still going to happen. <laughs> you can't exactly ignore the God War. Right. <laughs> like, it's still going to happen, whether you're on in the war or not. <laughs> now, uh, now, and and I'll, I'll put the other side is I, I tend to start, and even from the beginning, I tend to start with, uh, with goals in mind. But when I first started playing, it was all about the dungeon crawl. Right. And yeah. that was, you know, AD and D. As the four modules. The, the good old days. <laughs> I think dinosaurs but, still on I mean, the earth, right? Yeah, pretty much. It was fun. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I can remember my old uh I mean, he was probably the best story we ever had because his mind he did he didn't write anything down all came from his mind and it was just so intricate i don't know how he did it (laughs) but he uh i remember my very first session was just a dungeon crawl and it's what hooked me yeah i mean i've been i've been a fan of D&D ever since and i mean there's nothing wrong with it you can do a couple sessions like that but fighting constantly as you get older and more, I guess, versed in, in RPGs, period, you figure out that, that uh, there's a lot more to be said when you're fighting for a goal or you're going towards something. Right. It doesn't have to be huge. Mm-hmm. You could be going out to save a town. You don't have to go out for a god war. Right. I mean, that was an all-encompassing whole worldwide thing uh you could be going towards saving somebody um you know getting somebody out of debt i mean it can be very simple but still working towards something or the most fun that i ever had was a pickpocket chase we got into a town uh one of the party members got pickpocketed and the the party the the the, uh, player decided to chase after the pickpocket and it became an entire session long pickpocket chase we had to run through the town we had to you know it was uh, we've to me i always thought about it as from the cartoon aladdin like i i felt like i was aladdin running from the cops but i was chasing this you know pickpocket instead um and it was great because we had to do athletic checks for jumping over carts we had to do um stamina checks or 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 uh constitutions checks uh <clears throat> and just doing all these different things but w- the reason why it was so fun because otherwise it's just a, a skill check challenge is that we had to role play everything out if we role played if, if we rolled 
a low athletic check, we had to role play hitting the cart or tripping over something and having to do another, uh, another save in order to, to stand back up quickly or lose a, lose a round, you know, and that was probably the most fun that I ever had was just how intense the, the session felt. Um, and we can go into uh, dramatizing things and using uh, props to, uh, to finish it off. Uh, it, Robbie and Thorne, if you guys have something for dramatizing a session. Well, I do have something. Um, for, I, I, before we go into dramatizing and using props in the session, um, one, of, one of the other things that I think is really important before you even begin um, playing your game with your players um, is to have some confidence in yourself. Like you wrote mm -hmm. a story, like you, you wrote this story, um, take a deep breath and just remember that uh, you, if it's your first time playing, like that it's a learning experience for you. You kind of take everything as it goes and just try to have fun with your, with your friends and your players. If you're an experienced player, just take a deep breath and you know what you're doing. You know, like, mm -hmm. you know, you know what to do. You shouldn't, don't be nervous. Just, you know, just play. Well, that was one of my big things when I was, when I first started playing is that that was one of my, my blockers from having excellent games is that I was always nervous to talk in front of everybody. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, just have some confidence in yourself. See, I've never had the, the problem with talking in front of people because I usually play with friends. And it, I'm, a, I'm, it doesn't matter who I talk in front of. I like to talk. <laughs> but as far as dramatizing, I mean, as a, as a, as a story weaver, dis descriptive, be descriptive. Yeah. Uh, describe the environment, describe the play, or have the players describe themselves, describe the NPCs. Um, always be uh, descriptive in that. And, and that will help ratchet it up because if you get them to have relationships, especially with NPCs and each other, it really racks up the drama. And mm -hmm. like I always say, is is trouble, it's drama. I mean, anything that you can, can do to rack up the, the drama in the session makes for good role play. Um, I've never been huge on props. Um, I'm just not that, I'm, I'm not crafty in any way. Um, but I know Illidine and Raven both are big into props and it, it does make for fun play. It does. Uh, and it's just, it's like Robbie said, if you, if you can talk in front of people and you can help ratchet up any kind of drama and, and, you know, in, in the, the biggest thing about the, the dramatization of it all is if you know your players, you know what they're like, and you know their characters. Mm -hmm. Use their backstories that they yes. came up with for plot points in your story. I mean, it, it draws people in. Yes, uh, and that's that's one thing that I was going to get into uh, for for my part. I used the prop. So when we got to the God War, there was two things that I used the most. They were the exact same thing, just one was bigger than the other. Uh, for every combat round, I gave each player a 30-second uh, hourglass, like a little sand timer, a 30-second timer. And 
on their turn, they had to flip it over and they had that 30 seconds to make their, to make their turn. So it did a, did a couple of things. It shortened combat because everyone had to know exactly what they were doing beforehand. Otherwise they were going to take the automatic action of dodging. Um, and then it added a, a suspense, a, a, a speed aspect to it that there was, you know, we've got this combat going and I've only got these 30 seconds and he's only got, you know, so it, it just kept ratcheting up the, the intensity. And then on top of that, when we finally got to the God war, I had a 30 minute uh, sand timer that it was all black and it had uh, orange sand and it was made of glass. And I, I spent a little bit of money on it. Um, but when I described um the ritual that was being done by this cult to call Cthulhu. I, as I was describing it, I pulled out the hourglass and I made sure that everyone saw what was happening. And as soon as I said the cult starts chanting and the lights uh, come from the ground and the, the ocean starts twirling, I flipped over the hourglass. Just doing that, three people screamed. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, I just said, oh, fuck, but that's beside the point. Right. <laughs> I screamed. It was me. That was me. And, and Raven, too, <laughs> for sure. Um, but it was it was just that added thing that, you know, I had that one prop. And it was a very, like, it wasn't super expensive. It was probably as much as uh, one big uh, mini, I guess. Um, but uh, you know, I, I think I spent like 20 bucks or 25 bucks on it. So it wasn't a big commitment. And now it's a nice decoration on my desk and I can use it anytime for anything. And every, every player knows the, uh, the detriment of a, a timer because you know, as soon as that sand runs out, something is going to happen. Then I don't, we don't know what, but something's happening. And once you find out what battle is like, especially in D and D, it could take a lot of time. Yeah. And then you know the other thing that we were we were talking about was you know Thorne brought up the backstory. Um, that's another reason why we say story weaver because we're weaving everyone's story in. Um, I think I did really really well uh, with Thorns at least. I tried to do it with everybody, but with Thorns' backstory for his characters. I brought in uh, his backstory throughout the whole campaign, really, um, and made little little side quests and things for his 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 characters because he played uh, twins. Uh, but at the end, there was some reward and there was some uh, some consequence to an action that his his character did. So you know, his character used a, a wish spell to just wish that Cthulhu didn't exist. And it changed a whole bunch of crap. <laughs> and... Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but that's another thing we can do a whole other episode on is playing to your character. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Or you can go read my blog. Yep. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Shameless plug. Shameless <laughs> plug. I'm I'm not having a shame over it. It's completely shameless. <laughs> yeah, it's <completely> shameless. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, we're, we're running out of time. So last, last thoughts from you two. 
I mean, as as a story weaver, you take on a lot of responsibility. And that's not to say it's a bad thing. I mean, it's a good thing. But you cannot always be the nice guy. Right. You do have to have consequences, as Illidine has, has pointed out. There has to be consequences to every action, uh, whether they're trying to do good or do bad. And you can't take it personal if they get angry. Mm-hmm. Not sure. So just you know, do the best you can, have fun with it. And I mean, it, it's D and D, so I mean, just just have a blast. Yeah, exactly, Robbie. And just remember that whatever system you choose, like whatever organization system you choose, or whatever props you choose, the goal is always the same, as we always say, for everybody to have fun. And you should do that, reach that goal in the most comfortable way that you feel possible. Whether you take a lot of notes or whether you write a lot or whether you just use your memory to do it, uh, it's whatever works for you. Honestly, Mm -hmm. these are all suggestions, so. Yeah, and the the big thing with, with having fun and you know working together uh for the story um and not taking things personally um when when something happens in the story and a player may or may not get mad uh at the end of a session it's always good to check in with everybody uh robbie and i uh are really good at it um thorn doesn't do it as often but he usually does it like after the end of an arc of hey how did you guys think of the this these last few sessions but checking in and saying hey how did you guys like the session what can i do to make make it better um did you guys enjoy the story plot are we do we need to change anything is there something i need to add something i need to take out and if there's any kind of hard feelings between somebody you know say uh, a character death right and the player didn't want that character to die no one really wants their character to die but it happens you can check in with that player and say hey you know sorry that the dice rolled that way um there had to be a, a consequence for you trying to seduce the dragon blah 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 um and you know your character passed away uh what what character would you like to to change you know what to roll up for the next session uh, let's hash it out. How do you feel about the character death? Maybe we can work something out. You know, just kind of check in with your players um, every now and then just to see how things are going. And that's one of the biggest ways to improve anyway is just getting ideas from from everyone else. Six minds are better than one. And they are. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So and I do try to do I do I do try to do it, but I'm not very good at it. Yeah. <laughs> uh so that being said if you guys liked this episode if you liked our content if you like the three knuckleheads talking about uh tabletop role-playing games uh give us a like and a follow uh we do have a facebook page now it's facebook.com slash this dungeon is occupied uh we have a patreon if you'd like to give us some financial support uh we use that money for new editing uh software new microphones headphones all these things uh and eventually we're going to be using that money to potentially come out with a book uh that we're 
currently working on uh, doing the brainstorming of ideas and such. So that's patreon.com slash this dungeon is occupied, or you could go to patreon.com and go at uh, this dungeon is occupied and uh, shoot us a message, you know, shoot us uh, an email. Uh, Our email can be found at candremporium.com. That's our, our business uh, sponsor uh, that we sell homemade goods and art and all kinds of other things. So check out that website. Robbie's blog is on that website, candremporium.com. Uh, and let us know, you know what, uh, what you guys think. And if you guys have a topic you guys want us to talk about, we can do that as well. And with that, remember to check your dungeons because this dungeon is occupied.